This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? I'm doing great. Uh, big show today. I want to let our uh, listeners know uh, it's a tribute to the 1967 Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course, May 2nd, uh, a few days back, Tuesday of this week, was the 50th anniversary of the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs' last Stanley Cup win, and we will be celebrating that uh, this morning, interviewing the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf ever, David Keon. Uh, shortly after our first break, in the middle of the hour, the most beloved Toronto Maple That's Leaf ever. Sure. The most beloved, perhaps, uh, I'll, I'll go out there and say this without hesitation, the most beloved Toronto athlete in history, as far as I'm concerned. And that, of course, is Johnny Bauer. We'll have a brief chat with Johnny in the middle of the hour. And uh, later on in the hour, we'll be talking to Lance Hornby, who's, uh, who writes for the uh, Toronto Sun Post Media, uh, wrote a fabulous article in the Sunday Sun uh, last Sunday about the 67 Leafs, 50 Leaf uh, facts that uh, most some people didn't know. And he's got a great new book coming up about Toronto and the Maple Leafs. So it's, uh, it's certainly going to be an exciting hour. And just to let our listeners know, uh, uh, Naz and I are fully decked out in our Toronto Maple Leaf sweaters. And uh, I've got my Punch Imlac uh, Leaf fedora on this morning. And Naz has got his Toronto Maple Leaf cap and his David Keon sweater. So uh, we are, uh, we're certainly in the mood and certainly in the atmosphere for... Uh, what, what uh, should be a, a, a really special show. But uh, really, really brief, briefly before we go to break, um, Naz, a uh, couple of big stories in the NHL this week. Uh, the two big ones as far as I'm concerned, the Crosby, Niskanen, Ovechkin episode, incident, um, which would have been a much, much bigger story if uh, it was a huge story for three, four days, but Crosby... Uh, miraculously, miraculously recovered uh, and played in last night's game, and that will be the topic of discussion for a long period of time. Um, because if he did suffer a concussion, and reports were that he did, um, uh, highly unusual. You come back uh, from a brain injury after uh, in such a short period of time, but uh, you know he's under the best of care, under the best of doctors. I'd certainly like that explained at some point in time by some appropriate uh, uh, medical uh, practitioner, how he was able to get back into the lineup after, um, you know, three, four days after a concussion. 
You know, Ovechkin caused that injury, though, with the, uh, the high stick on him in the crease, right? Uh, and Ovechkin got nothing for it either. He didn't even get a penalty, I don't think. I think it was Niskanen that got the penalty. Yeah, right? it, it, was, it, was, it was hotly debated. And, I, you know, I, I, have, I have strong opinions about these things and also respect the fact that, uh, you know what, uh, sometimes uh, your opinions don't count if you didn't play in the NHL uh, uh, you know, sometimes you're not. Which you're, is a pilot. You're, you're you're not allowed to have contrary opinions because you didn't play in the NHL, or you know, you know, or you you, you don't do this. Uh, uh, you, you haven't devoted 25 years of your life to broadcasting hockey. Uh, you know, some people don't think your opinion merits anything, but as a fan, uh, and and what I saw, my eyes, I don't think deceived me. Uh, Ovechkin took a two-hander blatantly, intentionally. Uh, I'm not going to suggest he was intending to injure Sidney Crosby, uh, but he hunted him down as he was driving towards the net and wound up with his stick and hit him. Uh, I don't know if he intended to hit him in the head, but his stick did glance off his head, and at the end of the day, you are responsible for your stick. And Niskanen, uh, you know, we had this big debate about this week uh, amongst all the hockey gurus whether that was a hockey player or whether it wasn't a hockey play. And, and Don Cherry, uh, you know, if, if anybody listened to Don Cherry, he was he was furious about that. And uh, something about it uh, uh, I didn't like. I thought in some ways it was a dirty play. Um, I don't think he was headhunting Crosby at that particular moment in time. But my assessment was that Niskanen had an opportunity to back off from that cross-check. Uh, he didn't have to bring his hands up and hit him in the head. I don't think that's what his intent was when that play started. Um, but there was an element of that that I found a little bit uh, over over the line. You know, was it a hockey play? Wasn't it a hockey play? It's a hockey play if you think it's a hockey play. If you don't think it's a hockey play, I don't even know what that means, quite frankly, and they use it all the time. Uh, you hit somebody to the head intentionally, uh, I don't know how you call that a hockey play, but Naz, your reaction? Well, they sure laid off on him last night. They didn't touch Crosby too much, right? And that, that should have been a penalty. And uh, I, I I, don't blame Niskanen in this. I blame uh, Ovechkin in this, really. He started the whole play, and he's notorious for this. Yeah. Like, he gets away with a lot, Ovechkin. Yeah. Anyways, the I... other thing I noticed, and there's something I really noticed last night, Ovechkin's getting a lot slower out there. <laughs> Slow to the puck, very slow to the puck. You heard Bob Cole talk to say, say it about four or five times. Ovechkin's slow to the yeah, puck. Yeah, who knows? At this time of year, these guys are all carrying injuries, and it may come out after the playoffs. Who knows? Maybe he's fighting a hamstring or a calf muscle. Who knows? Uh, but I certainly agree with you, Naz. He doesn't look yeah, he Because doesn't he's dropped to 32 goals, and that's a lot of yeah. goals in the NHL. But for he, Ovechkin? He, yeah, he doesn't, no. he, doesn't, he doesn't look himself. No, he's not and, right. And uh, for whatever different reason. Anyways, we, I know we've got... Uh, We've got David Keon coming up, and we don't, we don't, we don't want to. Obviously, the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf of all time. We don't, we don't want to keep him waiting. But this year was six, was fifty years, and uh, I was scouting around on YouTube the other day, and I found a nice little interesting clip that we're going to play for you now. Uh, it's going to bring back a lot of good memories because it's a long time since I heard an announcer say the Leafs win the Stanley Cup. And that was the, the, the call by Bill Hewitt in the last 15 minutes. Uh, not 15 minutes, 15 sorry, seconds. 15 seconds. May 2nd, 1967. Roll it. Game right in front of the net, 14 seconds. 
13. It's a pass up for Richard. Stopped by Marcel Pronovar. It's Coker. Flicking it down the ice to the little of the blue line. Three seconds. Two. What a tremendous hockey game this was. Fantastic. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM 740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. It's always a privilege for Naz and I to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf ever, David Keon. Good morning, David. How are you this morning? I'm good, Wally. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, my pleasure. Um, it was uh, it was it was uh, brought back memories this week. I know you and I had a chat earlier in the week in May second, uh, nineteen sixty seven. It is really incredible to believe that fifty years have gone by, uh, but it has. Um, and May second. Uh, when you woke up that morning, uh, any special thoughts, any uh, recollections, anything that meant anything special to you on that day, David, 50 years later? Uh, not really. I, uh, I realized, uh, I guess, the day before somebody had called me and... Um, or maybe even it was you. On, I think it uh, might have been me, David. <laughs> it was you that called me on the second. And after our conversation, I was trying to 
think of uh, how the day went uh, 50 years ago. It was, uh, I didn't have many, uh, many memories of how the day went. And certainly, uh, my guess is you do remember the result, and uh, of course you were the Conn Smythe Trophy winner, and and uh, I want to ask you about that, obviously, but there's one question I always ask uh, when we, we have, uh, it's, it's one of the things we do on this show, we always like to get uh, legends, uh, hockey legends, to talk to them, and I always ask, it's, 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 it's something quintessentially Canadian. A Canadian boy dreams of growing up in winning the Stanley Cup, it's 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 almost part of our um, of our basic nature as Canadians. It's uh, um, your recollections when you were a little boy growing up in Naranda, David. Uh, that uh, that dream, uh, that Canadian dream of winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, did you have that dream, and uh, what was it like the first time you actually got to hoist the Stanley Cup, which was in sixty sixty two, I believe. Right. Well, I think the. You you think about winning the Stanley Cup, but I think the first thing you think about is is playing in the National Hockey League. That's uh, to win the Stanley Cup, you have to do that. So I think you think about that, and then uh, once you've probably once you've made the National Hockey League, then the the next um, uh, step or uh, progression is that you 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 hope that your team is competitive enough competitive enough that you're going to be able to play for the Stanley Cup. And uh, fortunately for me, I played on a very good team that uh, when I got there had lost in the finals twice, and then uh, we went on to uh, to win four, and the last one was in '67. Uh, David, good morning. How are you? Naz, I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Chicago Blackhawks, the first series was was the toughest one of the two, probably, uh, on paper. Chicago was a high-flying team. How did you guys beat them? Well, that was, uh, I think, I don't know how many points that they finished in front of us. I think they probably initially looked, uh, looked past us and were... Uh, you may be focusing a little bit on the Canadians. They were 20 points up on you, David. 20 points up? Yeah. yeah well, uh, we played the first game in there, and we, I think we got beat 6-1. And um, uh, we went, came back to Toronto, and I think we thought we didn't, we didn't play very good and, uh, and thought that, you know, maybe we had a chance. And we went back and won the second game. And realized that uh, I think that we we could beat them, and in a series, sometimes that's the worst thing that can happen to one team. And it's a good thing for another team is that all of a sudden you realize or or think that you can win. And once you once you have that feeling, uh, it's hard to lose. And uh, I think by the time Chicago realized that. Uh, they were in a series. Um, we had captured a little bit of the momentum, and uh, they couldn't get it back. Uh, we're talking to David Keon. David, uh, you and I chatted a little bit about uh, this the other day, and you you brought out an interesting stat um, that uh, was a, was one of the accomplishments of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Was uh, I mean, you had gone you had gone head to head with uh, you know Montreal Toronto rivalry was at its peak. Uh, 
at that particular moment in time because the Leafs would win as many times as they would lose when it came to Montreal. If in, in the 60s, they won more than they lost. But uh, the 67 Leafs were the only team that beat the Montreal Canadiens in the Stanley Cup Finals from 1955 to 1989. And uh, you look back on that now, and that's, wow, what an accomplishment that was. Uh, and history, 50 years later, we seem to think that the 67 Leafs were complete and utter underdogs in that series against the Canadians. I'm not so sure uh, the the myth is is, is uh, it equals the facts because you had only finished two points behind them in the, in in the regular season that year. Like you're 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 fighting for second and third uh, right down to the wire, and you had had some success against the Canadians earlier in that decade. Uh, did you feel did the did team feel that they were complete underdogs in that series uh, heading into it? Uh, well, I think maybe against Chicago because we were so far behind, maybe. But uh, when we played Canadians, we always we always seemed to find another gear, and um, I don't know what it was. They're just a the rivalry between Montreal and Toronto, and uh, we, you know, we en- we enjoyed that challenge. And of course, the Canadians were the uh, the standard that everybody was being measured against because of the success they'd had and and of course during the 60s we'd had some success too so we um you know we wanted to um we wanted to play as well as we could against them because we we had uh you know for bragging rights in canada <laughs> how much was uh king clancy a and effective in that in that season in that season because uh, Punch got ill, right, David? Punch got hurt, but and, not hurt. He he was sick and he missed. Uh, oh, he missed a dozen games. Um, and King came in and coached us, and kind of brought. Um, oh, he brought a different attitude and uh, was a little more relaxed and because. Uh, I think uh, either right at the end of our losing streak, he came in, and then uh, we got a tie, and then I think we we went ten games without a loss, which kind of uh, catapulted us into the playoffs. And then Punch came back, and we were back in the uh, the grind mode again. Uh, but I think that three weeks, I think he was there. Or, as coach, I think it really helped us. Uh, David, you, of course, are the last and only Toronto Maple Leaf to win the Conn Smythe Award. And uh, uh, unfortunately, the Conn Smythe was only first de- first dedicated. Uh, that award was first dedicated in 1965, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, right. yeah. And Jean Beliveau was the first winner. But uh, there's a lot of very, very astute hockey people that would suggest that if the cons might had have existed prior to that, you'd you'd have three of them now rather than one. Uh, argument even for four, but three for sure. Um, the 67th Conn Smythe uh, Trophy uh, when you hoisted it. Um, um, that wasn't until the next day. <laughs> well, I didn't. I had forgotten that. Uh, yeah, you, that was the next morning they made the presentation. Did they announce it that night? They announced it that night, though. Did they I not? I think they did. Yeah. yeah. They told me. They came and told me that I had won it after the game. And how, was, and your reaction, good. just uh, at that time, you know, um, 
you know, you're in the prime of your career. You just won the Stanley Cup, and you've just been voted the most valuable player in in the most important um, uh, hockey league in uh, in the world. Uh, what did it mean to you? Well, it was very nice to win. I was I was pleased. There were other players on our team who could have won it, and uh, fortunately, I did. For me. But I think the most important thing was winning the cup. Um, that's always the prime thing that you want to do. And any individual thing that happens after that is because, I think it's always because of the uh, contributions that uh, your teammates made and that you made. And um, uh, sometimes you end up being singled out, and, uh, which is always very nice, but the most important thing is to win the cup. There's a lot of uh, stories that have uh, have grown over the years, and myths, and what what's myth and what's fact. I'm going to ask you about one that uh, uh, I found interesting, and, uh, uh, and tell me whether it's true or not, and what the reaction of the players was. But prior to Game Six, of course, you won that series in Game Six at. Uh, at Maple Leaf Gardens, and it was uh, fortunately it was a Tuesday night because you kept on losing on Thursday nights. Um, but uh, is it true that prior to that sixth game, Punch came into the dressing room with uh, I've I've seen it reported as either three thousand dollars in one dollar bills or ten thousand dollars in one dollar bills, and threw it on the dressing room floor and says, "Boys, if you win, this is yours." Is that is that truth or is that myth? David. I don't remember that. It may, be, <laughs> it may be true, but I don't remember that. But Punch was very, he <clears throat> was very, he was really superstitious. And um, when we were winning on uh, Tuesdays and Saturdays, uh, you know, he, he really believed that that, that that was karma that was, was in our favor. And uh, which it, ended up being every Thursday we played, we lost. So, in both series. David, so, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. Uh, Rogie Vashon was, there was a comment by Punch Emlach about him being a junior B goalie. How did the players react to that? No, they didn't. You know, he was playing goal. He was, <laughs> he was playing goal for the Montreal Canadiens. He could play goal. You know, Punch was... I think Punch was just uh, making comments like that to stir stir things up, and uh, uh, he uh, he had got them to the finals, and he played very well. And they he uh, I think Toe pulled him after the fifth game, and then uh, Gump played the sixth game. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, that that's what it was. That's correct, David. Uh, um, listen, we're going to let you go. Uh, All right. Uh, we just want to say uh, we appreciate uh, you're always generous with your time with us, and I will always finish like I always do, and I, I like to be generous with my praise. Um, we're thrilled that you were voted the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf ever. Uh, we've been saying that for years, and we're thrilled that your number 14 is retired, and we're thrilled that there's a bronze statue down at the Air Canada Centre Um where future generations can be reminded of the great player you were and the great gentleman you were. Thank you so much, David. Well, thank you very much. Wally, thanks, Naz. Enjoyed being with you. Thank you so much, David. All right. Thanks.
Uh, Naz, uh, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to talk to David Keon. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to believe it's been 50 years. Uh, and talking about 50 years, we're, we're just getting on the phone now. Uh, we're going to get Johnny Bauer on the line. And, uh, um, and uh, we go from the greatest Toronto Maple Leaf ever to probably the most beloved Toronto Maple Leaf ever, uh, Johnny Bauer, who... Uh, was infamous. You look at some of those highlight reels now, um, and it's really astounding to see that, uh, you know, Johnny Bauer, and of course he wasn't the only one, but, uh, you know, he looked back and uh, they didn't wear masks. Yeah, it's incredible. They didn't, they didn't wear masks. Really incredible. And, uh, and in the, the, the game, the way you watch some of these games from the 60s and how the game has changed in, in a lot of different ways. Um, but 50 years, um, and, it's, and it's, it's almost fitting that this year, uh, for the first time in a long time, um, uh, we've, uh, we've had the opportunity to uh, celebrate um, uh, a rejuvenation in the franchise, certainly. But uh, talking about... Uh, uh, 1967 in the Toronto Maple Leafs were pleased to welcome and certainly thrilled to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour uh, Toronto's most beloved uh, Maple Leaf uh, ever and one of our um, one of Toronto's most beloved athletes. Of course, we're talking with the incomparable Johnny Bauer. Good morning, Johnny. How are you this morning? I could have lasted another ten in bed, another ten, uh, five hours. <laughs> I, feel, I feel pretty good. Uh, we're, Johnny, we're, we're we're thrilled to to have you. And just so you know, we uh, we just finished chatting with uh, with David Keon. About, oh boy, yeah. And Great uh, hockey player he was. Oh, he certainly was. And um, and uh, you and all the rest of the 1967 Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, it was it was a thrill this week to re- recollect some of those great memories, and we just finished playing Bill Hewitt's call of the last uh, 14 seconds, where he said the Leafs win the Stanley Cup. And uh, I just ask you very simply, Johnny, it's 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 been 50 years. I don't wow. know. If, it's hard to believe. I don't know if this week means anything special to you, but your your fondest recollections of that uh, of that uh, 1967 team. Well, I, I can recall first. Uh, if I remember reading in a paper where they said we'll never we'll, we won't win the uh, we won't get win the Stanley Cup because we got too many old guys on the team and youngsters. But boy, oh boy, you know we had the experience and youth. And I you know, just mentioned Davey Keon and the rest of the players too uh, uh, that uh, we had. Look, look at the defense that I had: Horton, Stanley, Brewer, Vaughn. Wow, those guys I depended on a lot, and uh, they're just to mention a few. And of course, uh, the rest of the forwards. I mean, we had a good, well-balanced hockey club, and a good coach too. A lot of guys didn't like Punch, but because he was very demanding, and I did because I strived in hard work. And no matter what profession you choose, whether it's baseball, hockey, or anything like that, if you don't work for something, you're not going to go any further. Johnny, you're famous for the poke check. Who taught you that? Uh, Charlie Rayner, when I was at the New York Rangers, he come up to me once and uh, he said to me, John, those guys are coming in right in at you all the time. Right? And of course, he said, you got to learn to poke check. I said, what's that? He said, that's, I'll show you after a practice. And he was about six foot four. <laughs> and I was over a little bit shrimp-like, you know. But we lined up about five pucks there, and he showed me the, what, how to die for him and that. And uh, 
And I said, yeah, but what happened if you miss a guy? Well, if you miss him, the next thing you got, you can your stick will go in his skates and he'll go flying into the corner. As a, <laughs> and I said, well, accidentally that is, eh? <laughs> well, if you want to call it accidentally, but <laughs> I didn't, didn't do it on purpose. But I was taught by him anyway, and uh, and he, he I give him a lot of credit for it. Uh, he, he passed away now, I think. John, we're talking to Johnny Bauer. Johnny, uh Talking about the 67 series, uh, there's, you know, when you get back into looking into what happened in that series and that playoff run in that 67 series, you're reminded. I can't hear you. Uh, I'm sorry, Johnny. Talking about the 67 series, uh, I'm reminded uh, some critical things I'd forgotten, but I'm reminded about that. Um, although Terry Sotrick was in net uh, yeah. in game six, I thought, and, and I was reminded, the series really turned in game two and three when you were in net. Um, and and the stats will show that in, in games two and three, of course, game three was the infamous double overtime uh-huh. win. Uh, you stopped ninety three shots, ninety one out of ninety three shots in those two games, and and that was really when that series turned. And uh, and after that, it just seems like it just seemed like you frustrated and the team frustrated the Canadians yeah. at every turn. Your uh, your remembrances of of your outstanding performance. I tell you, it's a good thing I had uh, my communication with my defenseman was uh, was unbelievable. Like, you know, I knew Alan Stanley was an angle player. I knew Bobby Bond was a, a, a blocker for me. I knew Timmy Horton was a tough guy, and I knew Larry Hillman was great out in front. And we worked together very, very closely. And we knew what to do. We yelled each other and happened uh, in a good way, like, you know, in a good sense, no matter what happened. But it, it was something that we wanted a dream of. So I did. I did anyway as a child because, you know, you have a lot of dreams to have your name and grain in the Stanley Cup. And I never got, you know, I hung around the American Hockey League for around 13 years and uh, I never got a break. And I finally did, did get one and then when I went to New York. But, uh, and, and that's what happened. Uh, Johnny, we uh, we had, we asked David Keon to uh, set the record straight on something, and he couldn't uh, he couldn't recall whether this happened or not. So we're going to ask you. Uh, the rumor, the myth is that just before Game Six, Punch took out ten thousand dollar one dollar bills, right. and he threw them on the dressing room floor. Uh, quite frankly, David couldn't remember that, so we have to ask you: Did that in fact happen? That's the true fact, and that I was the first guy to go for that. <laughs> and Punch come in, and he said, "You stay away from there. You'll be sorry." <laughs> no, but that's true. He come in, and he threw the money right in there. And everybody's eyes popped out. My, uh, we just figured this is how much money we can make. And then Punch explained everything to us, and, and uh, maybe that's that made us have hungrier and higher work too as well. Johnny, we, we we won't keep you much longer, but if there is something I have to ask you. Uh, it certainly was back in the '60s, uh, and please be don't please don't be offended by this. But I think you 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 had a lot of fun with the media and with the fans back in those days. But we could never figure out how old you were, uh, because you, you were either 42 or 44, or uh, we we thought you understated your age. So we want you to set the record straight. Uh, how old are you? Well, okay. I'll tell you the truth. I was born in 19... 19- no, I won't tell you the truth. I'll, I'll, I'm actually, right now, I'm 92. 
didn't know what else to say to the guy, you know. So I said, I'm sorry. Next question, please. <laughs> Anyways, Johnny, uh, uh, thank you for today. Uh, thank you and Nancy for 55 years ago, and thank you for everything in between. You are, you've got two uh, Naz and Wally here wearing, proudly wearing the Toronto Maple Leaf sweater this morning oh, with good. big smiles on our faces talking to our most beloved Johnny Bauer. Thank you so much. Thank you very, very much, and God bless you all. Thanks, Johnny. God bless you, and God bless your wife, Nancy. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Johnny. Well, you know what? I, I'm, I, He's I got, pretty good. He could have gone on longer. <laughs> you know He's what? I, I, I almost have, you know, I almost feel like I'm five years old again when you talk to a legend like Johnny Bauer. Like, just what, what, um, what a gentleman. I mean, you know. Just now you realize why he's so popular. Yeah. You know, well, he's like, everywhere. Johnny Bauer is everywhere. He's the least. Really. 92 years old, full of energy, full of vigor, uh, a true legend in this city. Four Stanley Cups. Um, um, wow. Just, uh, just an absolute pleasure. Anyways, we've got to go to break. As soon as we come back from break, we'll be talking to Lance Hornby. Lance Hornby, of course, you can find him at uh, Post Media and Toronto Sun. We'll be with him shortly. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language, no matter where you are from. Call Pizzaville at 736-3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740, and we're pleased to welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour writer for Post Media. You can find him in the Toronto Sun National Post. Of course, we're talking about Lance Hornby. Lance, good morning. How are you? 
Good morning, guys. How are you today? Great. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we're 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 uh, on a little bit of a high right now because we just finished interviewing David Gion and Johnny Bauer. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a letdown now. But... No, it's not a letdown because we're going to continue a very important topic. Because you you wrote a fantastic piece uh, last Sunday about the uh, 1967 Toronto Maple Leafs, and of course this week we celebrated the 50th anniversary. Of that Stanley Cup, uh, some people obviously wouldn't consider it a celebration, but uh, having been around when it happened, I, I, do, uh, I do consider it a celebration of uh, uh, a mythical team in a lot of ways. And I know that you attended an event uh, uh, earlier this week at the, at the Sports Gallery uh, uh, featuring the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, it was Red Kelly and Dick Duff and Ron Ellis and some other participants. Um, your uh, your uh, your sense of that event and um, what you took from that event that that has stuck out in your mind. Well, it's uh, wonderful. First of all, I've got to thank my mother who let me stay up to watch uh, Game Six and on May second, nineteen sixty-seven, because it was that was a school night and she uh, she was kind enough to uh, let me stay up and uh, and see history because that's uh, the the older. The older you get, the more impressed people are that you actually did see the Maple Leafs win a Stanley Cup. So I'd be remiss if I didn't thank her first. But going uh, to that particular event, uh, it was pretty good. I mean, uh, you guys just had Dave Keon and and, and Johnny on your show and uh, their recollections and what it meant to them uh, and and the city, uh, you know, still resonate. And that was the same case uh, with Ron Ellis and with... uh, you know, with the other participants, uh, Red Kelly, uh, although they've probably wanted to see another Leaf team win it, it is so special in their minds and the minds of uh, so many Tor- Toronto hockey fans because uh, even though they haven't won, uh, that still resonates today. That whole, you know, it just brings people back to 1967, to, uh, you know, to Confederation, uh, the 100th anniversary, to Expo 67, uh, you know, to the fact that the the NHL was about to change and, uh, you know, there was going to be expansion and to have two Canadian teams meet in the final and have have the Leafs who were, uh, you know, underdogs to uh, various degrees, uh, certainly in the first series against Chicago, uh, it meant a lot to them. And it, uh, it to this day, uh, they can, you know, they remember who was on the ice and the final face-off of the George Armstrong empty net goal. Uh, that's still sticking with them as it does with many, many hockey fans in Toronto. <laughs> We're talking Lance Hornby. Lance, of course, is a writer for Post Media. And uh, Lance has got, you've got a, and, and uh, we tweet, and uh, you and I corresponded about it. Do you have a new book coming out? It's called Toronto and the Maple Leafs. So, so I'm going to ask you to uh, tell us a little bit about your book and and then we'll chat about it. And there's a part of your book, uh, chapter chapters that deal with the '67 Leafs. Uh, well, th- go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so it's okay. It's uh, thanks for the thanks for the plug. It's uh, really a, a book that looks at the relationship uh, between the city and the team going way way back. Uh, not as uh, you know, '67 uh, was, was a big part of it, but uh, how the team. Uh, you know, in its uh, first years, the Maple Leaf Gardens years, and uh, how it's become, uh, you know, a part of the fabric of the city. Uh, you know, there was the strong uh, British Isles population in the early years, and of course, uh, the Irish were uh, very strong in Toronto, and the team began, uh, you know, part of its uh, legacy is as the Toronto St. Patrick's. But I just go into everything. I, I talk to Mayor John Tory, I, I talk to uh, people who have uh, had. 
uh, Maple Leaf uh, themed uh, funerals, uh, funeral directors who've done uh, some, you know, some work uh, around there. A lot of people, uh, even though the team uh, hasn't uh, won, they 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 want the story to uh, to live on even after they pass. So they, uh, I talked to a funeral director about some of the things that uh, that people do uh, as far as uh, the services are a thing. I've talked to people going all the way back the other way to people who were born on May second, nineteen sixty seven, and uh, how they think they're either part of the curse or. Uh, or, or that they were the reason that the uh, the Maple Leafs won, but it's uh, not so much about the hockey, but also just about how uh, you know people grew up uh, being Leaf fans, how it brought people from different uh, cultures together. Uh, a couple who uh, was from uh, Portugal and from uh, from Hong Kong, they uh, they bonded over the Maple Leafs uh, right around the time of the uh, of the '67 Cup. So it's uh, really the city's influence on. Uh, on the team and vice versa and uh, of course you did mention 67 that has a huge uh, you know resonation uh, today they have uh, you know part, a lot of people think that's part of the success ongoing success of hockey night in canada is why they uh, is that that big year those not just 67 but those three cups and really uh, a championship year in toronto that uh, that hasn't faded uh, even though they haven't won they've had success now and then up to up to the present they still have a huge uh, part uh, and a huge role in the in the city, and they're still revered, win, lose, or draw. Yeah, I thought the uh, Leaf uh, popularity was waning, but after the playoff series this past year with uh, Matthews and the boys, the young boys performing, their, their brand is as big as ever, isn't it, Lance? Well, you know what? It, uh, it, 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 uh, even in its worst years, a couple of years ago, it looked like it was going to hit uh, rock bottom. But, uh, you know, people, it's like the Chicago Cubs, and I did part of the book, actually, as I spoke to the uh, president of the Chicago Cubs, Fan club a couple of years ago before they won and finally ended uh, the uh, you know ended their uh, their long streak of a uh, hundred years or so and he was saying you know that's part of the uh, part of the reward at the end that uh, you you know you, you stick with something and uh, you have that belief and look how big the Cubs are not in Chicago but you go to you go to anywhere you find Chicago Cubs fans around the world and the same thing with the Toronto Maple Leafs most impressive thing for me as I travel with the team is you go out west and there's there's young people who've, uh, you know, Edmonton or Calgary, and they've uh, seen Stanley Cups and they've seen Wayne Gretzky, and they're still Maple Leaf fans because their grandfathers were. They were at the time when Toronto only had two teams, and Foster Hewitt was, uh, you know, the only voice uh, they could, uh, you know, they they had because there was no TV in those days. Those days just kept, uh, you know, those those stories were handed down, and and their Leaf fans, believe it or not, even after uh, Wayne Gretzky and all the cups there. Uh, we're talking Lance Hornby. Lance, last Sunday, uh, uh, a couple of days before the uh, 50th anniversary, you wrote a uh, a two-page uh, two-page article, and uh, I, I read the Sunday Sun every morning to catch up. And uh, there's 50. You came up with 50, as you call them, leaf factoids uh, about the '67 team. Uh, when you're researching this. Uh, what, uh, what, what, any of this that, that you caught you by surprise or you found the most, what was the most interesting thing that you came across about this 67 team that you weren't aware of? Uh, well, you know what, the, the, uh, you guys touched on the story, the $10,000 in the, in the dressing room. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, uh, Dave Keon didn't remember, Johnny Bauer did. And that's one of those funny stories that, uh, that goes along, uh, with it. Uh, you know, uh, it, it would have to be, I guess, that, uh, this over the hill gang, 31, I believe the average age is 31.2, which may be still the oldest average age of the team, uh, the injuries uh, that they suffered, uh, the fact that uh, I, I guess you'd have to rewind to the season itself. Uh, Dave Keon on your show talked about the um, 
the illness that Punch Black uh, had. He checked himself in the hospital for 10 days. This was a team nobody thought was going to make the playoffs. And the more you read about it, the more uh, how the more impressive their their underdog uh, status was that they not only made the playoffs, upset Chicago, still had uh, you know put together the perfect uh, game plan to uh, to blunt the Montreal Canadiens, who uh, you know in those days, of course, were still very much the flying Frenchman. You had to slow them down. And Toronto did so with uh, four primary defensemen, a, a really good hustle line with uh, Stemkowski uh, and, and Pulford, excuse me, and Jim Paffin. And a lot of, uh, you know, you just you just found out a lot of things with punch him lack superstitions, you know, telling, you know, talk about uh, uh, Rogi Vashon being the junior B goalie and, uh, you know, some of Punch's uh, superstitions, you know, buying a, a certain colored green jacket, uh, <laughs> not wanting, a, you know, having a lucky penny, uh, women sending him, uh, you know, their... Uh, their underwear because it was a lucky underwear thing and so the trainer of the Leafs was getting all these weird, uh, <laughs> weird things and, and, and putting them putting them away it was uh, it was quite a funny story of course and uh, but you know one that uh, as I say is still a big part of uh, of lore in Toronto because uh, you go you go anywhere and uh, that's the first thing people talk about when uh, they you know they when this particular Toronto team uh, in 2017 turns it around everyone would say you know 50 years and 67 uh, this is a good sign. Maybe they're finally turning it around. We're talking Lance Hornby. Lance, we only got a, we got a, couple, a minute and a half or so left. Uh, we we want to ask you very simply. You've got a new book coming out, Toronto and the Maple Leafs. We're looking forward to to seeing it, seeing it, uh, reading it. Uh, just very, very quickly. When when can we expect the book? And normally, when I uh, ask ask a writer about his book, I always ask the question, "How do you finish the book off?" So, uh, <laughs> so tell me, a, tell yeah. me when, the, when, when, when can we expect the book, and how do you finish the book off? It'll be, uh, it'll be in the autumn. Uh, I, I thought at uh, one point when the Leafs were up on Washington, I thought maybe I will <laughs> hold off the book because it may have a, an interesting uh, finish. But it's published by ECW. Uh, it's uh, coming out uh, in October, and uh, we'll see how it, uh, we'll see how it finishes off. It, uh, you know, I, it, it, eventually this, uh, this, um, you know, cup uh, drought is going to end, and I think. Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, some of those Leafs uh, who've been around since uh, you know since the '67 Cup, who, who you interviewed today, they will be there to to pass the torch because I know uh, they really want to uh, to see another Toronto team win at some point. What do you? Well, last question for me: uh, What do you think of the Leafs' current team and where they're where they're heading? Well, you know what? Uh, it's it, there are so many positives to look at now. I mean, there was uh, I, I guess the issue with other Leaf teams who made a threat since. Uh, 1967 were all sort of derailed for one reason or another there was you know harold ballard getting in the way there's a wha uh you know there it, it looked like uh cliff fletcher's uh teams were going to turn it around and there was a, a crunch uh with uh with spending with ownership uh, a couple of times they got ahead of themselves and, and made uh what turned out to be in hindsight very uh you know questionable deals that cost them their future now i think you've got uh, not only do you have a, a good coach you have uh, some high draft picks, and you have an ownership that's uh, virtually invisible. And I guess if uh, <laughs> if you're looking for one thing that's been the uh, the common denominator, it's been ownership in some way has had an effect. And uh, right now they're uh, they're part uh, they're just going along for the ride. And uh, I think it's all going to add up to a Stanley Cup in the next few years. We've been talking to Lance. Uh, Lance, uh, we want to thank you so much. You're generous with your time this morning. I know you might probably a little bit tired because you had a long drive back from Syracuse watching the Marlies play. Uh, and uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. We appreciate it. It's a great show. Thank you so Thank much. You. Of course, was Lance Hornby. You can find him in uh, the Post Media 
world, uh, Toronto Sun, National Post, and all the other Sun papers across the country. Naz, we've only got a few minutes left, and there's one topic we do have to address. The ongoing series between the Edmonton Oilers and the Anaheim Ducks in the game the other night, I'm still astounded. I am still astounded. Um that uh, that third goal wasn't called back. I mean, you got you got video review. Why bother having video review? You, uh, did, did I miss something there? But I, I, every time I look at that, I see Ryan Kessler deliberately grabbing. Uh, it's, it's Cam Talbot, right? Uh, I see him deliberately grabbing his pad. Um, how that is not goaltender interference, I don't get it. It's just they just don't have the stones you, to overturn. A referee's call with 15 seconds left in the game? Sorry, Nance, go ahead. You can't tell me that that's not goalie interference. I couldn't find anything to make it uh, a legitimate goal. Like what, I couldn't what, find what, anything. What were they looking at that, I mean, I saw the press release. I don't know who issues it. I don't think I don't think it's Coley Campbell anymore. Is it, uh, Steph, is it Kintal's the director of he whatever over he there now be. or whatever punishment? I don't know. So, but somebody was looking at that, and the refs look at it on, on the ice with the iPad. Well, I... I convinced that's a great way to watch. Uh, I mean, what's the resolution on an iPad? But um, anyway, put it up on the big screen. Anyways, so whatever. I mean, it. I'm, it's not for me, it's not for me to give the NHL technical uh, advice. But whatever they were looking at, I I, I couldn't. They said that uh, was it. Darnell Nurse pushed uh, Kessler into the goalie, and therefore uh, the Oilers were the authors of their own misfortune. I get that part of it. That's fine. Uh, but once a player's in the crease, um, he's got an obligation to get out of the crease. Uh, if, he's, if he's pushed in by, by the player, that's fine. It's not, I mean, it's not goalie interference. But he's in the crease. He's got his hand or his elbow or whatever over Cam Talbot's pet. And I'm saying, how is that not interference? How is that not goalie interference? Explain it to me. It's definitely goalie interference, for sure. Like, he, like, so he if may I have woke, been pushed in, but he may have been pushed in. Oh, he was but, pushed in. That's fine. But it fine. doesn't allow to grab the no, goalie's what, pad no, in the crease. You, you're and, not, yeah, that's, that's fine. You're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to grab the goalie's pad when you're in the crease. And, and that, this goes to some other calls in this series that, you know, you know if I was an Edmonton Oilers fan, I, I, my guess is they probably have reasons to be upset. It seems like there's been a lot of controversial calls in this series that haven't gone. But that call, aside from, I mean, everybody says calls even out. You know, you got to get over it. Referees, but it's 15 seconds left in game uh, in game five, and you're and, and that that call decided the game. Don't tell me that calls even up. That call decided the game, and it was the wrong call. Definitely the wrong call. Definitely, I agree. It, sh- it should have been called. Should it should have been Oilers advancing to or not advancing, taking a lead three two going into uh, Anaheim for tonight. Wow. So hopefully, I'd, you know, I'd love to see justice uh, justice served properly in the Oilers. Uh, you know, win and force a game seven at least. Uh, you know they they have that ability to get back to Edmonton, but uh, uh, how do you like Eugene in the Ottawa <laughs> Center today? Eugene Melnick's going maybe going to the next round. Uh, yeah, you know the Senators uh, certainly uh, yesterday. Uh, you know there's there's a little bit of grit and a little bit of character to this team. They don't give up and uh, certainly fought back yesterday and. Uh, 
they may at some point in these playoffs become Canada's team. We were talking about this yesterday. Uh, Ottawa doesn't have a true number one center, and look what they're doing without a true number one center. And Kyle Torres is probably their best center, but he's not a number one. And look what they're doing, and Carlson is awesome. Anyways, uh, another fantastic week for the Nazawali Sports Hour. It was certainly a privilege to do a tribute to the 1967 Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, always a pleasure to speak to David Keon. Uh, pleasure to speak to Johnny Bauer and to Lance Hornsby. Thanks very much for your insights. We'll be back again next Sunday morning, same time. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.